And so we are continuing this morning in our series through the book of Ephesians, Christ and the Church, where we are studying what it means to be in Christ and what that demands of us. So we now come to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. This is verses 1 through 9. Hear now the living, eternal Word of God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. This is the word of the Lord. So as you may see, the title of today's sermon is Hierarchies of Love. And the word hierarchy, as the Oxford Dictionary defines it, is a system or organization in which people or groups are ranked one above the other, according to status or authority. And there's hierarchies all throughout the world. If you have a job, you deal with the hierarchy of your workplace. And sometimes you may be dealing with someone who is lower than you in a hierarchy, someone whom you have authority over. And sometimes you're dealing with someone who is higher than you in a hierarchy, someone who has authority over you. And for me as a teacher, this would be department heads, principals, anyone in the administration. And through years of being in the workforce, you get to see how people deal with both sides of authority. There are some who can't handle being under someone's authority. They reject outright being told what to do. I have many students that act this way. There are other people who can't handle having authority. Once they get a bit of authority, they immediately abuse it, and they use it to mistreat people. And all of us struggle with authority at times, being on either side of it. None of us are perfect because of sin, because of sinful nature. Sin makes you seek authority and reject it in others. Sin makes you use authority for your own glory, and it makes you rebel against other people's authority to get your own way. Now, throughout our series in the book of Ephesians, Christ and the Church, we've been considering what does it mean to be in Christ? Or in other words, what does it mean to be spiritually united to Christ by faith? The spiritual union that all believers have with Christ. And what does this mean for our lives? 
How do you live your life as a Christian in light of your union with Christ? What does it demand of us individually and collectively as his church? And last week, Tim Geiger brought us a message where he spoke about marriage and and how we would live out a marriage as Christians. And he spoke of the heavenly marriage as well, that we all await between Christ and his church. Now this week, Paul continues to describe the effect that being united to Christ has on our relationships. And specifically, the relationships of a parent, child, and even boss and employees. And in these relationships, there's clearly a hierarchy. There's clearly an assigned authority within these relationships. In our passage this morning, we'll learn how to live our lives in these hierarchies. How to live your family and work life in light of your union with Christ. When you're in the bottom of this hierarchy, you are to obey out of love. And when you're the one with authority, you're to lead with love. Paul's instructions here begin for children in verses 1 to 3. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The command for children here to obey their parents isn't really a controversial one, maybe for some people in today's culture, but not most, and really in any culture. People expect children to obey their parents. But as anyone who's ever had any children knows, this is not always the way it works out. Because children are sinners. They will at some point go against the authority of their parents, and some of them will do this consistently their whole lives. But the call of the Apostle Paul would be specifically for Christian children, being instructed by Christian parents. Paul is writing this to the church. Now, it goes almost without saying, it's understood that he's not referring to unusual circumstances of abuse or other circumstances where this command wouldn't be strictly obeyed. He's commanding children here to obey their parents specifically in the Lord. Christian children are to obey their parents because they are in the Lord. So in the first century, in the Greco-Roman world there, the command for children to obey their parents would have been standard. This would have been the expectation. No one would really expect any other admonition for children relating to their parents. But the motivation here is certainly different. In the pagan world, obedience to one's parents was expected out of duty to the parents. But Paul here is referencing, as he has been throughout the letter, the union with Christ. This is the reason for their obedience to their parents. They should obey their parents out of obedience and duty to Christ. And so there is a natural duty that a child owes the parents who have raised them. They they owe this to the parents who have sacrificed more than can be counted or measured for them. But Paul's command is to obey them in the Lord. This goes beyond the duty of children in the world. If godless children are to obey their parents, how much higher is the standard for children that are raised in the Lord? God has ordained for children to obey their parents. 
And if you have godly parents, you've been given something beyond the normal struggle and sacrifice of parents who are apart from God. You've been given a gift of parents who've raised you in the Lord. And so it's your duty, not only to them, but to the Lord to obey them. And Paul says, for this is right. Children obeying their parents is the right thing to do. And this universally accepted matter outside the church is really a basic to a functioning society. And having been a teacher 20 years, as I said, children that don't obey their parents don't obey anyone. They don't obey their teachers. They don't obey the adults in their neighborhood. They don't even obey the police. They cause chaos in almost every situation. Children who don't obey their parents begin to unravel the moral and ethical foundations, not only of their family, but of society. And so we're seeing this increasing exponentially as our culture begins to decay because it's moving further and further away from the Lord. But children who are believers, however, should not follow the course of this world. They've been called beyond the cultural norms of the day. You've been called above what everyone else is doing. You're called to the eternal moral principles of God, which would include obeying your parents. As Paul here cites the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And the Ten Commandments are a summary of God's moral law. They're a summary of God's morality. And so this, God's morality includes honoring your father and your mother. And so as a believer, trying to discern how to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, this would include honoring your father and your mother. He says this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now this certainly is not a guarantee. But honoring and obeying your parents, especially when they're instructing you in the ways of the Lord, will increase your chances of living a long and healthy life. Children who listen to and obey the instructions of their parents have a better chance of doing well and living a long life compared to those who reject the instructions of their parents. An example of this would be when I tell my two-year-old daughter Marigold not to go in the street. The danger of a toddler going in the street is obvious to anyone above the age of about three. But she tests us. She she obediently, disobediently, tries to go in the street at times, and unwittingly risking her own life. And this is the idea behind all obedience to parents. Even when I restrict my older children from things like cell phone use or too much TV and so on, rejecting our instructions as parents will have negative consequences, usually in the long term. But children can't see the conflict between what they want and what's best for them. That's why God has ordained parents and that they obey their parents because adults usually can see these things. And adults and parents want what's best for you, possibly at the expense of what you want in the moment. And so a child is to obey their parents not only out of duty for them, but out of a love for them and a love for the Lord. Now, children obeying their parents, though, isn't the only obedience Paul commands here. In verse 5, he says, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. 
Paul includes bondservants here because they were actually considered a part of the house in the first century. And so these commands that we've been going through for husbands and wives last week, parents and children, masters and bondservants, uh, are what is called the household code. And the Apostle Paul gave one also in his letter to the Colossians, as he gives one here. And household codes were pretty common in the first century. But Paul's giving an explicitly Christian household code. Commands for living in a household where you are united to Christ. And so it's important to mention about a bondservant or a slave in the first century. This is different than what we think of as slaves that existed in the American South. As one commentator points out, in ancient times, a slave might have been a stable hand, a handmaid, a captured enemy, a treasurer of the city, and so on. The Old Testament even included laws around the bond of slavery that it couldn't extend past six years. And so the practice of slavery, even the more mild first century version, is evil. And we really don't have a direct comparison to slavery in our lives today. But the principles Paul lays out do apply to the modern workplace. For anyone who is an employee or has a boss, there is a need to obey. And this isn't mindless obedience that will require you to sin or to be abused or harmed in some way. But it is to obey even when you disagree or you don't want to do what you're told to do. You're to obey as an employee to demonstrate Christ in your workplace, to show integrity and service to Christ as the way, same way he did in his life. And your obedience is to be out of love. This is both for children and employees. You obey not to please people, but to please the Lord. It's born out of your love for God. And if you're united to Christ by faith, you are to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. And this love for your Lord also is for your neighbor. And this should manifest itself in obedience to those who have authority over you. Obedience to parents for children. Obedience to bosses for employees. And Paul explains that not just any obedience will do. It needs to be a willing obedience as service to the Lord. Starting in verse 6 he says, Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. But as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing what, that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. And so your obedience isn't just to look good in front of your boss or in front of your fellow employees. It's not simply just to get a promotion, but as a Christian, it's something deeper. It goes beyond the human level. As bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Being a Christian means you are a bond servant, a slave to Christ, regardless of your status in the world. He paid the price to free you from the bondage of sin, and now you are his. He is your master. But your obedience is not solely out of duty, but out of love. It's a response to the loving grace of God. A response to Jesus sacrificing himself on your behalf that you lovingly obey in return. And Jesus said this to his disciples in John chapter 14. If you love me, 
you will keep my commandments. You are to obey Christ. You are to obey your parents. You are to obey even your boss out of your love for God. And you and I will fail at times to obey out of love. Sometimes you obey but to please people. Sometimes you obey so you can look good. Sometimes you just outright fail to obey. But God didn't leave you to this task yourself. He loves you and he gave you the Holy Spirit to guide you in repentance. God is with you on your path of sanctification, your path of being transformed into the image of Christ. He sent his son to die for your sins and Jesus obediently fulfilled his task. Jesus allowed sinful, corrupt humans to make a mockery of him. He humbled himself and obediently fulfilled the Father's will out of love for the Father, out of love for his people, out of love for you. And Paul says that this obedience is rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. And regardless of your status in the world, being free or a slave, being a boss in a position of authority, or being an employee in service of your employer, whatever good you do, you will receive back from the Lord. This is quite an important point. Any good you are doing in this world, at your home, at work, even in your social life with your neighbors, doesn't go unnoticed by the Lord. Living out the light of the Lord in your life will be rewarded by God himself. And so your motivation for obedience is love. And out of love for you, God will reward your loving obedience. And so as a child in a family, as an employee at work, you're to obey those in authority out of love. But what about parents? What about those who have authority even at work? So first we see Paul address fathers in verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Throughout the household code, both of them, in Colossians and Ephesians, Paul doesn't give any commands in isolation. They come in pairs. They come in relationship to another command. Paul, as we saw last week, commands wives to willingly submit to their husbands. And then to husbands, he commands they lovingly sacrifice themselves for their wives. And so children, we see, have a responsibility to obey their parents and the Lord but parents have a responsibility in this relationship as well. Now, Paul addresses fathers specifically. They would have been the main disciplinarians as the head of the household in the first century. But we know that mothers also discipline as well. And so while the command would be primarily to fathers, mothers should heed this as well. The command begins with what not to do. Do not provoke your children to anger. His command is specifically about disciplining children. He's saying your discipline shouldn't be harsh and unreasonable. It shouldn't create bitterness and resentment in the child. Because the purpose of your discipline shouldn't be simply to get your child to obey you. That's part of it. But even their obedience towards you has a purpose. Paul says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents are to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
The Bible is clear that disciplining your children is a crucial part of raising them in the Lord. But Paul here tempers the command to discipline them by saying don't overdo it. Don't abuse your authority and discourage them from the ways of the Lord. The point of disciplining your children is so that they will respect your authority and then you can instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Constant criticism and reprimands can be as destructive as none at all. But Paul's call for discipline of children in a way that would encourage them and guide them into living for the Lord. And so this is something as parents we wrestle with, trying to find the best approach for this. And obviously there's trial and error. No one does this perfectly. But it should be done with a love of Christ in your heart for your child. Love, kindness, gentleness, patience should be modeled in the Christian home. And we see actually an element of obedience here for the parents. Throughout the Bible, if you go back even to the Pentateuch, parents are commanded to raise their children and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. And so parents are to do this out of obedience to God themselves. And so it's crucial to understand that your instruction in the ways of the Lord is not simply a do as I say, but also a do as I do. There's a discipleship that should take place in the Christian home. Parents should be teaching their children the ways of the Lord. Teaching them the word of God and what this means for them. But they should be modeling it as well. Modeling is is a way that the first century discipleship took place. As Paul said, imitate me as I imitate God. And so... This means you will be living out the ways of the Lord and the ways of Christ in front of your children. Because children will model your behaviors much more than they will listen to your verbal instructions. Doing as I say but not as I do will ultimately fail. They're much more likely to grow up doing as you do. And so it's the duty of a parent to model a loving relationship with the Lord. It's the duty of the parent to... Model the way of Christ. And a parent who does this, who models the love of the Lord and who lovingly guides their children to do so, is bringing up their child in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The leadership of a parent is leading out of love. A love for God, a love for their spouse, a love for their children. But a love for self always creeps in. And a love for self can have destructive consequences. But God's love for you can overcome your sin. As you grow in your relationship with the Lord, as you grow in your love for the Lord, you grow in your ability to love your spouse. You grow in your ability to love God and lead your children in love. And so the other leadership role Paul addresses here is the master's or the master of a bondservant, or a slave. In verse 9, he says, Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Here, Paul gives this command to masters in relationship to the instructions that he just gave to the bondservant. Bondservants were not simply to obey, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not the man. 
knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Now Paul, is in his typical radical fashion, tells the slave masters to do the same. He's putting them on equal footing. Their status before the Lord is no different. And the application for us is that our status in the world is irrelevant before God. And Paul has argued more than once in this letter the equal state of humanity before God. As sinners, every person having once lived walking in sin, following the course of this world, following Satan, but by the grace of God, Christians have you been united to Christ by faith and not of your own doing. So in light of this, any status or authority you've been given in the world should be used in service of the Lord, loving those under you by serving them as you serve the Lord out of love. And Jesus himself taught this principle of servant leadership out of love. In Matthew 20, the mother of the James and John, the sons of Zebedee, asked Jesus for her sons to be seated his, at his right hand in his kingdom. And to be seated at the right hand means a position of, of power and authority. And then the disciples were angry at them for this request. Then it says, Jesus called all of them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The call of the Christian life doesn't come in isolation from the life of Christ. You are called to obedience but Jesus himself modeled that obedience. Jesus modeled obediently following the will of God. Jesus lived under the law perfectly in perfect obedience on your behalf. You're called to sacrifice. But Jesus modeled the sacrificial life. Serving you by serving the Father's will. Offering himself up as a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and reconcile you to God. And although he was the son of man, which was his favorite title for himself, this was a figure prophesied in Daniel 7. This son of man was given authority, all authority in heaven and earth. But Jesus, as the son of man, didn't use his power to simply exercise authority over you, but to sacrifice himself in love, to give his life in service of the will of God, that you may be reconciled to God, that you may be united to him by faith, and that you may be given all the blessings that Paul has listed all throughout this letter, which includes the Holy Spirit. God has given you his spirit working in you, enabling you to more and more die to sin and live to righteousness. It's by the grace of God that your sins are forgiven through the sacrifice Christ. It's by the grace of God that you can obey out of love. It's by the grace of God that you can leave, lead with love in sacrifice and in service. And it's only by faith that you are united to Christ. It's 
only through your union with Christ that you have all the blessings of God. And so do you have faith in Christ? Have you received and rested upon Him alone for salvation? Because Jesus is your only hope in life and in death. He's the reason you can give everything up in service of God out of love. You can love God and love your neighbor because God loved you first in Christ. And so as you interact with the hierarchies of life, in your family, in your workplace, remember the love of God that he showed you in the sacrifice of his son. Because through faith in Christ, the love of God is working in you and through you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and glorify you for who you are and all that you've done and continue to do. Although we fail to obey, your Son obeyed you perfectly on our behalf. May his Spirit continue to work in us that out of our love and service of you, we will obey those who you've put in authority over us. For children to obey their parents and for us to obey those in work and in our lives. And Lord, when we are in authority, may your spirit guide us to lovingly sacrifice ourselves in these roles. May we model in our lives the servant sacrificial leadership of Christ that we may be the light of Christ in this world. That our love for you and our love for our neighbor will draw people to you. That they may come to know the salvation that is in your son. And they may enter your kingdom with glory as you have ordained. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.